is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Some mistakes on some highlights. I got something to cheer you up. Thanks. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate that. No problem, man. Welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. I am your host, Mike Payton. With me, as always, is uh, Keith Black Trudeau. Not Grant Hill this week. I almost said Grant Hill. That was last week. Grant's not coming back, but maybe he will. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we do have a, a another big guest today. We're talking about Mr. Start Writing himself from the Detroit News, Mr. Rod Beard. Rod, thank you for joining us. No, no. Thank you for having me. I get to wear my GM hat today, so this is a little bit different for me too. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 going to be a lot of fun. Um, start writing. I, I definitely I love that, and it's something that I've lived by. Uh, but with the recent Lions games, I've been burned by it, uh, especially the Packers and, and Bears, because I started writing a little bit too early. Uh, it's it, it's always you always got to know when to start writing. It's it's it is it doesn't work as well for football because you can always have this the, the bomb and and there are different plays that affect that a little bit differently. It works so well for basketball though because you know down twenty with with four minutes left you're you're pretty good with that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Especially um, with the Pistons lately, if they're down twenty, it's yeah. We've seen uh, that. We've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that movie. It's, it's, it's a lengthy process that we're going through as fans. Uh, so we are going to be discussing the 1994 NBA draft today. You may remember this draft because it's a it's a big draft for the Pistons. This is where they get Grant Hill. Um, before we jump into the redraft, Keith, are, are there any news and notes about this particular draft? Oh, there always are. Uh, this one in particular, uh, the, the NBA, uh, NBA draft road trip 1990s, uh, U.S. To, world, world Tour, because it doesn't even stay in the U.S. We continue our, our third leg uh, from Portland to Detroit, now in Indianapolis in the, uh, the Hoosier Dome. And this, I, I, I kind of wondered why they, they, if they put them here because of, if you remember Damon Bailey uh, from Indiana Hoosiers fame? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered because they, they you, I could, I got the feeling that they put the 93 draft in Detroit because of uh, Chris Weber. So I was, I don't know how far ahead they scheduled this because it was kind of clear uh, with, with Damon Bailey's uh, injuries that uh, he was not going to be a high draft pick uh, coming into this draft. But I, I wonder if they scheduled this a few years in advance because uh, for, for some context, Damon Bailey, one of the most locally popular high school basketball players uh, in U.S. history, uh, just, just an amazingly uh, popular player, uh, goes to Indiana uh, he's okay, but he he sustained some injuries, and uh, the the Indiana Pacers do draft him in the second round here. But yeah, you can tell they kind of did it to sell tickets. All right, so 
A couple of other notes. Uh, this is the, the first time in NBA history where the Lakers and the Celtics are both in the lottery. And in, in fact, to this day, it's only happened twice. And also, this is the last uh, time, 1994, the last year that an HBCU player was selected uh, in the first round. Carlos Rogers, Detroit Northwestern's own Carlos Rogers uh, out of Tennessee State. Indeed. Uh, yep, it has not happened since then. Uh, but those are my uh, my notes for this draft. So that when Damon Bailey got picked with 44th overall pick, that has to be the loudest a building ever got. Yes, for second yes, round it pick, was. Right? I remember that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the assistant commissioner comes in. Yeah. Announces. Damon, yeah. The entire place just erupts because I think half of them were just there for like for him. I don't know if that's just an Indiana thing, but it seems like and you, you go back to 1987 where they really wanted Steve Alford. Is that like, it seems like all the Pacers fans really want is just one of the kids from Indiana and they never get <sighs> it. They of. never really get it. I mean, <laughs> kind of, but I think they kind of history has kind of taught them otherwise. I, I think that was the best gift that the Pacers could have given to them was taking Reggie Miller over Steve Alford. So they, they, they've known for a while that, you know, maybe, maybe our, our homegrown kids, not all of them are, are suited to be are well suited to be uh, pros. Nope. Well, all right, let's, uh, we're going to jump right into it. Then the Milwaukee bucks are on the clock and Rod, since you are our guest, sir, you have the first pick in this draft. Well, I'm going to stick to my rule that if you have the number one pick, you get, um, less than 20 seconds to make your pick. And I am Mike Dunleavy and, uh, we are bereft of talent on our roster. Uh, our, our power forwards consist of Anthony Avent. Uh, Anthony Cook, Joe Courtney, and a Greg Foster, and a Brad Lowhouse. We we are, um, I'm going to say bereft of talent. We are going with Glenn Robinson uh, with our number one pick to add some scoring punch. And you know what? We just hope he stays healthy. That's it. That's all I got. So yeah. you're, you're taking Glenn Robinson first? In hindsight. With this roster, we okay. need scoring. If we okay. if we if we go with we look we like Jason Kidd and we love Grant Hill, uh, but we need scoring punch and this guy puts the ball in the basket. Okay. All right. Yeah. The um all right, so we're staying the course with Milwaukee. We know we know Ray Allen's on the way. Uh we know I'm Vin Baker, I'm pretty sure is already there, but he's gonna get traded down the road for Terrell Brandon. So he'll have a point guard. And then he'll obviously get shifted over for uh, Sam Cassell. So, uh, look, the, the Milwaukee Bucks of the mid-90s, very uh, directionless kind of franchise. But as they start, it really starts with this draft where they start building talent. And mm -hmm. they become a really, really fun team towards the late 90s, early 2000s. Doesn't last long, but it, 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 they, they do accomplish some things. And right, in, so. in this in this draft, Glenn Robinson is the even in hindsight, he is he was the best scorer. Correct. He may not be the best person to build a roster around, and that's why we would have liked Grant Hill in this spot. But we just need a flat out twenty point a night scorer, um, and and we just think that Glenn Robinson is going to be that guy. Okay, yeah, the uh, Glenn Robinson is just a beautiful jump shooter. Like to this day, has one of the prettiest jump shots. Uh, I, as a kid, I really wanted the Pistons to land the first pick so they could get him. I'm glad they didn't in hindsight, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was a huge Glenn Robinson fan as a, as a big 10 kid growing up. All right. So the number two pick, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, I say this every week and I'll continue to say it. 
the the worst decade any NBA team has ever had was the Dallas Mavericks in the 1990s. They were that bad, and they're they're in the midst of being the worst right now. So uh, right now, I know I have Jim Jackson, uh, who I think believe held out for half of last season because he didn't really want to be here either. And I, I know I have Jamal Mashburn. Uh, so I, I know I have two wings. So the, the, the conventional wisdom is you have two wings. You want to, you want a point guard. And I know Jason kids right there. And you know what? I am going to think uh, with a 2022 brain and say, screw conventional wisdom. <laughs> I'm going to draft Grant Hill and I'm going to play him at point guard. And this is kind of like deja vu because Grant, if you listen to our last week's episode with Grant, I was talking about to him about this exact same thing, but I didn't know this scenario would play itself out. So I'm happy it did. So I am going to take Grant Hill, who his senior season at Duke essentially played point guard uh, next to some inexperienced guards. And you know what? Jim Jackson and Jamal Mashburn may or may not be happy about it. I don't really care. Uh, cause they, they, that was a dysfunctional group anyway. Uh, but I know that Grant is going to bring some leadership to Dallas. I know he's going to, he's a very unselfish player. It may take him a couple years to grow into that point forward role that I want him to be in. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what, like this, the only thing that gives me pause is that he, the Mavericks might be a little too successful and they might miss out on Dirk Nowitzki five years down the road. But as, as a GM, I can't necessarily I'm not going to predict that far into the future. Not that the Pistons were great with, with Grant anyway, because they didn't build, a, build around him competently enough. But I am going to stick with this one. Grant Hill, number two to the Dallas Mavericks. I knew you were going to do that. Um, oh, you're damn right I was. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, but it kind of works out because I'm, I'm really happy with what the Pistons are about to do here because – Look, Isaiah's gone. Uh, the bad boys' days are over. You know, we saw that last season with how bad this team was, um, even with the you know rookie Allen Houston and and uh, rookie Lindsey Hunter. Uh, it, it, it was not good. So I think when you when you start building a team, especially in the '90s, you you know I I know that the big men are kind of like what everybody's looking for, but I think building around a point guard is kind of the way you want to go. So I think Jason Kidd is the best pick for the Pistons here. Um, you have a nice backcourt of Jason Kidd and and Joe Dumars. Uh, you got Allen Houston coming in, playing that sort of uh, shooting guard, small forward route. Um, Terry Mills is there, and 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 it's you know we we are we have no big men. We're directionless in the big men department, but but at least we've got a nice small, uh, uh, not small, but a nice good backcourt. We can play a little small ball. I think, you know, and I argued with you a little bit before this, uh, before we had Rod in here, Keith, I, I think if, if I were given the number one pick, I would have taken Jason Kidd because I think that uh, a guy that could run the offense on multiple teams, went to multiple different, um, you know, NBA finals, won a championship with Dallas. Uh, I think he was one of the, I definitely, I mean, we, you, you know, we disagree on whether he's a top five point guard of all time. Maybe I, maybe I spoke too soon on that. He was definitely one of the best point guards of his era, top five for sure of his era. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I would the, have the, went with Jason. The 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 problem with our uh, our Milwaukee squad is we have no one for him to pass it to. So he would just be in a vacuum and and not being a shooter himself. That um, that's a tough lift. 
Yeah. Yep, that makes perfectly good sense. Yeah, um, the uh, but imagine though in hindsight the uh, the symmetry with Isaiah Thomas retiring and then a month later Jason Kidd coming in. Like as much fanfare locally as Grant Hill got, like I have to imagine, you know, that if that had happened, it, the the coverage would have just exploded because it's Jason Kidd again. Mm-hmm. People were talking about him as possibly a generational point guard coming into that draft. Like he's such a such a fun play. Not really like Isaiah, but still a very fun playmaker. You know what's fun about this is um, even in the redraft, I still wind up picking the rookie of the year. <laughs> well, we both did actually. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh with the number four pick, uh Rod is back on the board with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, my Timberwolves uh, team is also bereft of talent. We have a young Christian Leitner at power forward and uh, Luke Longley also, but we are not good with the big men. So we are going to uh, look at one Jawan Howard with that number four pick and bring him in as a, we like what he did at Michigan uh, and, and being able to be a, a stabilizing uh, piece of that Fab Five group. Uh, he's a, a a good budding outside shooter, and we think that he can bring the toughness that we need and the leadership that we need to stabilize our franchise for a bit. Yeah, you you kind of uh, you you undercut me a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, like you said, Minnesota, uh, they're in year what six or seven year six of their existence. They're still an expansion team essentially. Uh, they, they've got a couple of okay players in, in J.R. Ryder and Christian Lee, but they have no foundation, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do like Juwan Howard here. What I really hated is because I was looking to for, forward to picking him from my Washington Bullets at five. Not that Juwan changed around the franchise in Washington, but what he did was he enticed his college teammate, Chris Weber, to agree to come over for a trade because he was unhappy in Golden State. Uh, however, uh, I all is not lost because there is a second former Chris Weber teammate still on the board. Uh, so the the Washington Bullets, uh, much like the Minnesota Timberwolves, they are they are kind of in the wilderness right now. They've got some okay pieces. Uh, Calvert Cheney, okay, not really necessarily the franchise guy they thought he might be, and they're just trying to add talent right now and. I'll tell you what, uh, there's someone that fits the bill talent-wise, and there's someone that I think could also entice Chris Weber to come play in Washington, and that is one Jalen Rhodes, also out of the University of Michigan. Uh, my, the only thing that gives me pause here is that Jalen, when he first entered the league, I don't know if you remember, Rob, but he was kind of miscast because he played point at Michigan, Yep. And, and he was kind of miscast in the NBA as a point guard when he really didn't have the skills to play it at that level. So I think he kind of unfairly got a bus label early in Denver, and then he kind of got shuttled to Indiana. And Indiana, he he couldn't fit in under Larry Brown initially, but eventually, yeah, he became a really really good NBA player. They just had to move him off the ball, play him on the wing, and like he could be a secondary ball handler. So I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't play itself out here, and that he can stick around because I I think uh, we we kind of missed out on seeing like we saw. Uh, Chris play with Juwan in Washington, and that those were some really cool moments. I think Jalen Rose playing with Chris uh, in hindsight would have been really cool. Uh, and I, ho- I hope they can get their relationship mended, by the way. All right. Yeah. So that's a good point. I like that. Uh, 
Mike, uh, you were up at number six with the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, and I and I will go to them in just one moment. Uh, I want to get Rod's opinion on this. You and I talked about this earlier uh, in our run here, Keith. But I, I look at this, the Bullets team, especially the 97 Bullets team, and I and I think they're like the kings of we should have waited a little bit longer and things would have worked out. They had Chris Weber, Juwan Howard, Ben Wallace, Rod Strickland, Harvey Grant, Calvert Chaney. Like they had a really great team and then they moved off of it immediately. Do you think, Rod, if the if the bullets would have just stuck to their guns with this with this group, maybe they would have been a better team, or was this team just destined to fail? Yeah, I think they were just wandering around in the wilderness. I don't think they knew anything that that was going. And again, we, we've got that benefit of, of hindsight and being, being able to say, hey, this guy really worked out. But yeah, if you get a, a Howard, a Weber, and you, you kind of look at that, and that's what Pistons fans like about Troy Weaver is that he sees the types of players that he wants, and he's able to bring those guys in. And to see that in college and how it translates to the, the league and even other guys in the league, that, yeah, you know you like Bogdanovich, but you bring in a Bogdanovich and that guy's able to work with these young guys and still to be an effective scorer. The, the Bullets just didn't have that at the time. That's fair. That's uh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, the, yep. um, yeah and I, I, I always renew my objection because I, I have heard about from multiple people about those, those late 90s Bullets teams. And, and I'm thinking, okay, you have three guys that play the same position with Chris, Juwan, and, and later Rasheed Wallace. All, all power forwards. You in two of them, one of them had to play small forward at all times because you had a seven foot seven monster in the middle in, in George Mirasan. Mm-hmm. And it really showed its and you had Rod Strickland, who's a great point guard, but not a, he was a terrible shooter. So they really had nothing at those wing spots. Like like the wing spot, the, the cover was bare. Even in 1990, you can't or the 90s, you can't really have that. And that really always showed itself to me whenever the bullets would play the pistons, Grant Hill would just destroy them. Because you had Juwan Howard trying to guard Grant Hill 25 feet from the basket. It was just, you you could see where, where they had a lot of talent, but you, you could also see where they really needed a, a wing player and like a really good outside shooter. And they never had, they never got one of those things. Like, yeah, it, 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 go ahead. And, and, and to the point, you get a Jalen Rose and you, you, you cast him as a three yep. instead of as a one, then that, that could look completely different. I, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, now, all right, we got the Philadelphia 76ers coming up. Um, just looking at their roster, this team is uh, almost completely made up of shooting guards. I'm going to go ahead and list them off real quick. Lloyd Daniels, Alfonso Ford, Corey Gaines, Greg Graham, Jeff Grayer, Jerome Harmon. Hold on, I got to take a drink. Rest in peace, Alonzo Ford, <laughs> European legend. They still celebrate his name to this day. Look, look his name up on, on Google him. Google Alonzo Ford right now if you're listening to this podcast. I promise you will not regret it. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Sr. and very, a very old Jeff Malone. Um, with all that in my brain, I'm still going to take a shooting guard because you got to get it right eventually. So I'm going to go ahead and take Eddie Jones for this team. Uh, Eddie was basically the guy who kind of held the Lakers together in between the Showtime era and the Shaq and Kobe era, uh, was a great scorer, uh, was great on Charlotte as well and Miami. 
I think that uh, you bring him over to the to Philly, and he's like the star of this show immediately. I think. I mean, I'm I can't him and Dana Barros in the backcourt. It would be really fun together. Um, I guess I would maybe want to get him a better point guard because Dana also likes to shoot a lot. But but yeah, I I like it. I'm gonna stick with it. Eddie Jones to Philly. Yeah, and and Eddie Jones, this is probably going to be the talent-wise the steal of the draft, which is ironic because Eddie Jones might have been the steal of his his own draft. But if you could see my big board, I have Eddie Jones third. Uh, Eddie, I I can understand all of our picks so far because we're we're drafting not just for talent but for need. And but it's just interesting, just Eddie Jones, just incredibly talented two-way player. what an incredibly crowd-pleasing player uh, out of Temple. I think maybe the last great player out of Temple. Um, but yeah, uh, put, putting Philly, uh, putting him on Philly and possibly pairing him with Allen Iverson in a couple of years, may, if things continue to play out that way. Uh, man, that, that that how much fun would that be? A lot. I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of forgoing Jerry Sackhouse next year, probably. But with all due respect to Jerry, I I... I can understand that. I, I still might think. I, I don't know how you can pass Eddie Jones up at, at number six. That that is that is a great pick for you. All right. Uh, so uh, we come back around for a third time. The LA Clippers at number seven. Uh, Rod, you are back on the clock. Good luck, Rod. Back on the clock, and we are throwing stuff at the wall in our war room because Eddie Jones is not available. We thought that he would be there for us. Um, but we are in need of a lot of things. We got Gary Grant, um, Ron Harper. So our guards are are pretty solid with Danny Manning and and Lloyd Vaught, who's going to be our keystone for a little bit, a few years down the road there. And an aged Dominique Wilkins. We um we still we we still could improve at a couple of positions. So we're going to go Aaron McKee. Uh, just as a solid kind of filler right here, just to give us a nice wing option. Former Piston Aaron McKee. I yeah. wonder, Keith, is there an Aaron McKee episode in the in the future somewhere? I would like to be because he saved us from Stacey Ogman. Um, so, yeah, piggybacking on something that was brought up when I brought up the disaster of the 96 free agency period uh, for the Pistons, Uh Doug Collins, who was the GM at that time, his his uh, reaction to losing out on Allen Houston and Dikemi Mutombo and Juwan Howard was to trade two first-round picks to the Atlanta Hawks for Grant Long and Stacey Ogman. And Stacey Ogman got here, got off the plane, and in 10 minutes decided he didn't want to play for Doug Collins. Not He wouldn't be the first or the last person to think that. So it, it, it became this really weird, awkward um, silence where – Stacy was just not playing and they were just trying to find a team for him. And eventually they ship him to Portland and we got back Aaron McKee and uh, Aaron McKee uh, really, if you listed maybe the top 10 role players uh, between like 95, like 95 and 2005, like he's probably up there. You always want it. Really, really, really a uh, nice role player. He made the Pistons better immediately. He, he ultimately got traded for, to Philadelphia for in the Jerry Stackhouse deal. He made the Philadelphia 76ers better immediately, uh, was digging their, their finals run in 2001. Uh, do, do everything player. Like I remember one game at the end of the, the season, he nearly had it. I think he did have a triple double with Grant Hill out. 
Like he 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 was really the type of uh like combo guard that could do everything for you as well as defend. So I I I can't think of a better player that the Clippers could get because we're we're really out of stars at this point. We're we're drafting for for fit. All right, so. Uh, number eight, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, at this point, they're still the Sacramento Mitch Richmonds. Uh, really, nothing else has gone right for them. Uh, they were hoping Bobby Hurley could be their their backward partner, but that tragically uh, simply didn't go uh, the way that they thought or anyone thought it would go. Uh, so we are still stuck here with one superstar player and a roster of guys that are very replaceable. So... You know what? I'm going to stay the course here. I am going to go with one Brian Grant. And Brian Grant, uh, the the actual Kings pick in this draft, uh, another very, very good role player, uh, bounced around the league a little bit, but not because he couldn't play, but because a lot of teams, good teams wanted him. And uh, for some context, he was kind of a, uh, he was mostly a defensive player and a rebounder, but he had some, Decent footwork, some decent mid-range game. Uh, ate up a lot of garbage baskets. Uh, he actually made the Kings better. Uh, the Kings were actually much, much better coming into the season because Brian Grant was pretty good right away. All right, so the number nine pick, uh, the aforementioned Boston Celtics, who are, ooh, they are in the lottery for the first time. Uh, Mike, you were up. Well, <clears throat> I'm a little bit bummed in the uh, the war room because we wanted Brian Grant for this team. I know we have Dino Raja, uh, but that's not going to last much longer. Uh, so we needed something, somebody to come off the bench. We, you know, we have that age Dominique Wilkins by the end of this season uh, that uh, Rod was talking about as well. And uh, it's not really going to work out in Boston, but anyhow, he's gone. So now I'm looking uh, into the backcourt where You've got a young David Wesley who isn't really hitting his uh, stride quite yet. He doesn't really do that until he gets to Charlotte. And you've got D Brown, who is who is great if we want to win a dunk contest, but it, it's not gonna it's not gonna you know he's not that great of a shooting guard uh, in in the real world. So I am gonna go and take a two guard that I I feel like uh, I had this guy going to the Clippers. Um, and and I'm I'm super happy now that he fell to me. I'm gonna go with Vashawn Leonard. Ooh, solid, and, solid. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah it, it, you know there was some some early uh, injury issues, but once he got with Pat Riley, like it totally changed his career. Uh, and he wound up being a, a a solid hand from you know 2000 to 2005. Like you know five great years uh, in the league with Miami and Denver and Toronto. Uh, I, I'm going to hope that he brings some of that here. Plus, he doesn't have to contend with with anyone else. Uh, I mean, it's the backcourt is basically his, so he he's going to get a lot more opportunity here in Boston than he originally got in uh, Miami early on. So, Sean Leonard, yeah, D- Detroit Southwestern zone with Sean Leonard along with uh, Jalen Rose. Uh, yeah, this How, Howard Isley also in this draft. <sighs> yeah. I was hoping to drop that on us later. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, the Detroit Southwestern team, especially a, a public school uh, team, to have three pretty good NBA players at one time. Uh, yeah, that is is that the greatest high school team in the history of Michigan? They it, it, it got to be right. Um, 
It's the best one I've ever seen. That was my senior year, and I saw them play in our home gym. And Jalen Rose, at the, the halftime buzzer, pulled up from half court. And I, 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 this is no lie. He pulled up from half court and started running to the locker room because it was you could get to the locker room from the, the gym. He pulled from half and started running before the shot went in, turned around and literally ran to the locker room because he knew it was going in and it fell. I've, I've never seen a, a thing. They're throwing alley-oops and our, we're at home. Our fans are holding up tens and, and dunk contest numbers for the visiting team. It, it's the most amazing team I've ever seen that just what the, he played center on that team. That's just, it was silly. It was just silly. Yeah, that had to be like the best small ball team ever. Just, I mean, I know, I know there have been high school basketball teams that have had more than three NBA players, but you know, they, those were all three. They didn't just like have a cup of coffee in the NBA. These were three guys that, well, two guys that started long term, and another guy, Howard Heisley, that was a great backup, and eventually uh, started a little bit. Yeah. All right. So uh, the number ten pick and. I just lost track of thought. I, you are up again, Rod, right? Yeah, it is, the, it is the Los Angeles Lakers, and we are not the Showtime Lakers, although we do have one James Worthy on our team, uh, still rostered up. Uh, but we are lacking in wing depth, so we're going to go with a guy who may be a little bit ahead of his time, a 35% three-point shooter, but at six foot nine, uh, is a guy that we think can help to change the trajectory of our team. We're going to go with Danielle Marshall with that number 10 pick. Love it. That's exactly what I had picked too. Um, yeah. he, he just fits with that team so well. And you know, the interesting thing is Magic Johnson comes back this season too, if I'm not mistaken, for, for like for half a season. For half a season. So the Showtime Lakers are almost, almost are there. Um, I don't know. This. I, I take it back. This was the previous, the season previous to this. Oh the, yeah, this, right. Okay. The Del Harris takes over. Yeah, ninety-five, ninety-five. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I like I like that. Daniel Marshall to the Lakers. I thought he was really good on that Cavs team that um that made it to the finals. He was kind of like I always looked at him like he was the second best player on that team. Even though I think Mo Williams would probably be the the one that everybody else would think. I, I do kind of wonder though. This is kind of interesting to me. Because originally the Lakers took Eddie Jones, who obviously there's no way he was going to drop in a redraft. And Eddie Jones was kind of critical to L.A. because they improved significantly this season. And Eddie Jones was a big part of that. So I'm wondering, Daniel Marshall, not that he's a bad player, but are, are the Lakers kind of in position to draft Kobe Bryant, you know, without without needing to trade for him? But I, I guess there's um, – that that's a couple years down the road. All right, so – uh, number 11, and I'm up this time, uh, the Seattle Supersonics, the, the team with the best record in the league uh, previous in the season previous to this. They have this pick uh, because for whatever reason, uh, they do a pick swap uh, with the Charlotte Hornets for Kendall Gill, and they sent uh, Dana Barrows uh, back the other way. I don't know why Seattle would get the better of the better pick in this swap, but they do. All right, so... If I'm Seattle, and this is the very first team that's up, it's really the only team, well, no, Indiana's up later on, but this is the first team that, that we have so far in this redraft that's already in contender status. They, they need a piece uh, that can help them immediately. And I have a couple of options here. Uh, 
they obviously kind of weak in the middle as Dikembe Mutombo really dominated them and they never really forced Mutombo to guard anybody uh, on the ball. And they also had a weakness because they didn't have any real uh, three-point shooting. So, mm, and I, I, there, there's honestly both of those on the board. I am going to take, oof, this is tough. Because my problem is there's there's two really good shooters on here, but neither of them are very good defensively, and I know George Carl would really hate that. So I, I am going to go straight out of uh, left field here. I'm going to draft uh, from Yugoslavia, now Serbia, uh, Jelko Rabracha. Zeli. Believe it or not, Zeli was Mr. Irrelevant in this draft. He was the very last pick. And the reason is uh, he wasn't really that well known at the time. Uh, very good European player, but Europeans weren't uh, entirely embraced at this point. Uh, the European basketball wasn't respected as much as it probably should have been. So uh, Zelly really bounced around Europe, played really well, was never brought over until the Pistons actually traded uh, for his rights and brought him over in 2001 as a 30 year old rookie and you know what he was still really damn good so i i'm hoping with seattle if they show real interest which they would have to he's a lottery pick uh bringing him over maybe he could play some some critical backup minutes uh fill that hole in the middle that they won't be so desperate to fill that uh they bring in uh, jim McElvain and give him all of sean kemp's money so maybe i'm hope maybe this could save that entire uh that entire franchise down the road Hmm. This puts me in an interesting place uh, with the Miami Heat. I am kind of going back and forth and trying to figure out what I want to do. Uh, I I almost feel like the best thing to do here is to just take the best player available. And even though I've got Glenn Rice already as my small forward, um, coming off the bench, I've got Kevin Gamble. I think I could probably do better than that. So I'm going to go with Lamont Murray. Uh, There's going to be a a really bad injury that really just kills his career in 2003. But previous to that, like he's a 15 points a a game uh, player. Like he's, he's pretty decent guy for the, for the Clippers and the, and the Cavs. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to hope that he can be like a sort of a six man off my bench and, and he can make this, Miami Heat team that's about to become one of the best teams in the league, even even more dangerous. So Lamon Murray to the cat uh, to the uh, Heat. All right. Well, Lamon Murray was one of the guys on our board. We're not exactly happy about that either. Um, but we're going to go with Denver at the 13 spot. We've got a couple of guards. We got. Um, Mark Macon and one Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. So we are not struggling for um, guard play, but we are also looking ahead and, and we're going to go with Wesley Person from Auburn as our guy, as a, um, okay. as a depth pick there. <laughs> Just the, the contrast between Mark Macon and Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. One guy, one guy that, one guy that's a, a bulldog defender cannot shoot with a lick. Uh, the other guy, sharpshooter, could not guard anybody. <laughs> Just, oh, what a pair. Yeah, that, that, when, when, when you look at the roster and you say, well, maybe there's another guard who can kind of 
um, bridge the gap with those two? Mm -hmm. Kind of. I mean, Robert Pack, Mark Macon, Mahmoud. Eh. But yeah, you need I, some, you need some depth there. Yeah. No. No. I look. Wesley, Wesley Person, the, the baby rifle, uh, as they called him back then, younger brother of Chuck Person, who was called the rifleman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he he was not quite as good as his older brother, but he was he he made his name as like one of the first like three point specialists, like guys that were drafted for their ability to hit threes um yeah he nearly like i i still think that 95 suns team if, if danny manning stays healthy i think wesley person starts on an nba championship team <laughs> his his rookie season if danny manning doesn't doesn't tear up his knee in 95 like it he, he wesley person was a really good fit like immediately he just didn't improve like maybe some of the other people in his draft class Right. And what, once we get around to this part of the draft, we're at where the spot where Jalen Rose was selected. And so it's really just throwing darts at the wall after this. I mean, not maybe even a little bit before this point, but certainly after this point of just we, we don't know if any of these guys are really going to be good. I mean, Yinka Dare, Eric Piatkowski, there there just isn't a now we're seeing drafts that have a little bit more depth and you have some more assurances that guys are going to be good. But at this point in this draft, you're just guessing. Also, I think the scouting is a little bit more improved than it was. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I think it's more accurate. It's more detailed. Like this, this previous draft, I think the top, I like the, the, the draft class that we're in right now, I think it might be the first draft in a long time where, you know, the best five or six players are all the five, first five or six picks. Yeah. Um, all right. So up next, uh, number 14, we have the New Jersey Nets. And what looked looked to be a very promising decade for the Nets has kind of come crashing down. Um, Kenny Anderson, a good player, just hasn't developed into the superstar that they thought he would be. Uh, similar for Derek Coleman, uh, their actual best player, Drazen Petrovic, uh, dies tragically in a car crash. And Chuck Daly has his 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 time with the Nets uh, is now over. So. Uh, the, the Nets, after a very brief period of relevance, are back into or creeping back into irrelevance, and things are just not going to get much better from here without a, it completely blowing up. It will, but we're, we're we're still on the way down. So, I'm thinking with the number fourteen pick. Oof, there's just so much. Yeah, I, I'm in the same exact boat as Rod, where you're. You're. I'm just looking for the best fit here. I've got. A couple of point guards and a shooter on my board, and you know, at least to me, what the Nets need right now and what they'll need in the long term is shooting. So I am going to draft. Uh, we just had the baby rifle come off the board. I'm going to draft the Polish rifle. I am going to draft out of Nebraska. Is he the great? I think he, I'm thinking he's the best player to come out of Nebraska. I, I, have, I haven't seen a list, but I haven't. I don't remember anyone else noteworthy coming out of Nebraska. Uh, Eric Piatkowski. Uh, Man, uh, I mean, there's not too much to say about uh, Eric Piatkowski. Uh, he was he was pretty good for the LA Clippers for a pretty long time. Uh, very accurate shooter, pretty good score, uh, jump shooter off the dribble too. Uh, could not defend a lick, uh, which kind of capped his ceiling. But I'm thinking if they if he sticks around New Jersey for the the Jason Kidd years, uh, I, I think he'd be tremendously valuable because that's the one team that team that one thing that that team lacked was outside shooting outside of, uh, I think, Lucius Harrison, Gary Kittles. Like, it, 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 if you could force that Nets team into the half court, they had a lot of trouble scoring. 
because they didn't have the spacing. All right, so uh, the very last pick in our 1994 redraft belongs to my co-host, Mike Payton. It is the Indiana Pacers coming off a conference finals appearance. Incredible uh, for that franchise. And you are up trying to look for that final piece with the 15th pick. Good luck. So I am going to go ahead and do uh, something. I'm going to have a little bit of an ulterior motive with this one because I think it'll branch us to do another fun conversation here. Okay. Uh, so uh, this team's pretty much ready, uh, but there, it, it could use a player off the bench that is, you know, a scrappy player that is going to play for, uh, you know, this team's number one rival, the New York Knicks. I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring Heisman Trophy winner Charlie Ward to the Indiana Pacers, <laughs> but more so because I want to talk about the 1994 NFL draft for just a second. Uh, now, obviously, Charlie Ward just won the Heisman Trophy, and he decided that if he wasn't going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft, he was just going to go to the NBA. And when you look at the players that were taken quarterback-wise in the 1994 NFL draft first round, it was uh, Heath Schuler and Trent Dilfer. Like, how how does Charlie Ward not get taken? Uh, I mean, like the 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 Commanders should have totally taken him with the third pick instead of Heath Schuler. Heath Schuler wound up being like a gigantic uh, draft bust. And then Trent Dilfer, you know, he did win. He did help the uh, uh, the Bucks win a Super Bowl, but. But he, like you know, so I guess you stick with that one. But the Commanders should have totally taken Charlie Ward third overall. Uh, is anybody else with me on this? Yeah, the the only thing that I see that's remotely defensible about this is that Charlie Ward not not like short short, but he was only like six one six two. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I take that because I just looked up Heath Schuler. He's also six two. So you know what? I got nothing. I I, I know Trent Dilfer was a tough guy. Uh, he. Like uh, we're trying to skirt around the obvious uh, here because that was look if if uh, Charlie Ward were in the draft you know this year he would have been somebody's first round pick I promise you that because he was super oh, sure. athletic but it was it was just one of those things where the the NFL just was too in, too in love with the pocket passer archetype I think for their own good yep. Yep, I, th- I think they made a huge mistake. I think the commanders could have gotten plenty of good years out of uh, Charlie Ward. And and Charlie, he didn't really have the greatest NBA career. So, I, you know, I don't know. I no, think I, there was I, mistakes well, yeah, all around. Yeah, I thought Charlie Ward still had a – like, he lasted in the league for a while, right? I mean, he was a – Yeah. He was a – he was a starter for the Knicks for a little. Or was it him or Chris Childs was the starter? I keep forgetting. They're, I, think they're I, think was, I think it was – yeah, they, I think they both went uh, – I think Charlie was for a little bit. I think he did start. Yeah, but I, I, look, I, I had, I, to be honest with you, I considered drafting him for the Nets because I think he's a better player than Eric Piatkowski, but I thought Piatkowski fit better. So I don't necessarily think this is a reach at all, especially because with Indiana, uh, they kind of have a backup point guard problem anyway. Like they're, they're, they're starting point guard where I think it was Haywood Workman coming into this season. Now they're going to fix that problem anyway. They're going to go and get Mark Jackson from, from the Clippers. But still, like the the idea of who backs up Mark Jackson, like Travis Best, I think is is still a little while away. So I, I, yeah. I yeah, I honestly think uh, Charlie Ward could be him or Howard Isley, who we're not going to get to, unfortunately. The third, uh, as Rod said, the third Detroit Southwestern High School uh, alumnus in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think backup point guard was kind of the Indiana's 
biggest weakness uh, if you look back at their 94 95 season. So, you know, I think this is a great pick anyway. So it's good. It was worth having the discussion. Well, that is going to uh, do it for the 1994 uh, NBA redraft. Before we uh, get out of here, Rod, uh, if you if you wouldn't mind gracing us with a, just a few minutes of your thoughts on the current Pistons, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, it, it's it's been a, a little slog here. And um, I think at the beginning of the season, I, I was saying, tell me what happens after their first 10 or 15 games, because the schedule is going to be um, murderous, and especially when you look at the West Coast trip. Um, and if these guys don't have a, a, a chance to develop their chemistry, like the injuries that we've seen, then this is going to be a really tough route for them. But in an overall sense, when you look at um, the East and people were talking about maybe this is a play in or a playoff year, you got to name five teams that the Pistons were going to finish ahead of to tell me that they were going to be in, in the play in. And if you can't tell me they're going to be in the play in, we can't even talk about playoffs. So it, I could probably at the time, I think I said there were two, maybe you could say Charlotte, maybe Washington and, and Orlando, something like that. But you can't give me five solid teams that they were going to be better than. So I think this is going along the same route. And I, I don't think this is a tank job where they're going and and actively trying to get Victor Wambanyana. But it, it, it is a, um, a thing where these losses are piling up in such a way and the injuries are piling up in such a way that it's going to be a really, really tough effort for them to try to get in the playoffs. Or, or do anything beyond um, just being in that bottom sort of five uh, that we've been talking about and we've been doing for the past couple of years. Right. Well, now it, now it's with Cade's injury, it seems like there's a chance that he could very well be out for the season if he elects to get that surgery, which sounds like, according to James Edwards, your, your old uh, um, a colleague, he, it seems like the Pistons are kind of pushing him to, to get that surgery instead of kind of pushing it down the road. But and if that's the case, I mean, Victor Wembanyama, uh, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the last time. Maybe LeBron James, the the last time that people have talked about an NBA prospect like they talk about this kid. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know that that draft lottery is super, super fickle towards the Pistons, other than the one time they got the the first pick since uh, Bob Lanier. But um, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, I, I would take Scoot Henderson as well. I think either one would be a really good add to this. Add two. Yeah. Add two. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. And, yeah, and I, you, you just got to look at where, where they're going to land and, and what happens if they end up in kind of the five spot, then where are you there and how deep does this draft go in terms of value of, of getting a good guy and, and absolutely going through this 94 draft, you can see that you get to a certain tipping point where you're just not getting a great player anymore. Um, and if you're going through another tough season like this, this was supposed to be the year that you've got to separate kind of the, the, the wheat from the shaft and just try to say, Hey, these are guys that are going to move forward with us in the rebuild. And if you're going to add another guy next year, you want it to be a top two or a top three guy that's really going to be a part of that. And you don't have to figure out whether he's good enough to, to stay with those guys or not. You want this to be a sort of definite so you can steam ahead with the rebuild. But yeah, that's that's the issue it is if you tell me they're going to get a top three pick, I feel really good about going through another losing season. If you tell me it's outside that top three, not so much. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly why I kind of it, it kind of bothers me every time someone gets so excited about a tank. I'm like, it's not you can't control what the lottery balls do. Right. Like you're improving your odds, but that's all you're doing. Like in this past draft that we just did, like you said, perfect example. There were three 
And everybody knew this before the lottery ever happened. There were three, uh, this was a three player draft. Uh, mm-hmm. There were good players taken after, but these were the three guys that you were pretty sure were going to be stars. Glenn Robinson, Jason Cade, Grant Hill. That was it. And if you look at the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, they were the fourth wheel. They didn't, they didn't win one of the first three. They won 20 games that season, that 93-94 season. 20, same as the Pistons did. Pistons actually landed the third pick. Timberwolves landed the fourth pick. Pistons got Grant Hill. The Timberwolves got Danielle Marshall. Yeah, tells you everything. Yeah, there, there, there's always a cutoff. We're, never, we're not always 100% sure where it is, but there's always a cutoff after the top however many prospects, like the, the blue chippers that are on the board. So I, I always say be very, very careful what you're wishing for with the tanking thing. Like I think the Pistons lucked out extremely uh, be, because this past draft turns out to be a six-player draft. We A lot of people thought it was like a two-player draft. Um, just one more thing. Uh, the, the belief has kind of been, um, as this rebuild has gone along, that the 2023 offseason would be the year that that uh, Troy Weaver and the Pistons would kind of go out and start doing some spending and free agency, as well as maybe try to attract uh, some players via trade. Do you think that Cade Cunningham's injury and kind of the Pistons being, uh, well, I mean, I knew, I think we all knew that they would not be uh, that great this season, but maybe looking worse than they, than we all expected. Do you think that that maybe pushes that timeline back? Yeah, it could, it could, because again, you wanted to see these pieces start to work together a little bit more cohesively and there's still a lot of stuff you don't know. I mean, if anybody said um, at the end of last year that there was a shot that Sadiq Bey would be coming off the bench, people would have rebelled to, to try to say um, that was the case. So um, I think there's still a lot more figuring out of what we have to do um, in, in all of this stuff. And it's just not time yet. I don't think you, you move ahead and you say, yeah, they're ready to do anything. I think it's still going to be some more sorting and, and figuring out. All right, we'll see what happens. But uh, again, thank you, Rod, for coming on yeah, the show. Thank you so uh, much for your time, Rod. Anytime, guys. We're, we're glad we could finally get you on. I would. I, I made the genius decision of originally scheduling Rod on, on election night, and I, <laughs> I maybe should have seen for our, for a '93 redraft. I was. I'm so thankful we kept our '94 spot open because, in hindsight, maybe I should have thought that one through. No, no, no. We're all good. Yeah, wound up being kind of a busy night for some reason, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> a bunch of stuff going on, but no, this was yeah. fun, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks for ha- uh, coming, Rod, and um, and and thank you everybody for listening. And next week we've got another great show for you. We're going to be talking about uh, former Six Man of the Year Corliss Williamson. I know Keith is definitely looking forward to this one. So yeah, yeah, the only everyone uh, sees Vinny Johnson as the 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 Pistons uh, Six Man like. Uh, uh, avatar it, it really see everyone sees Vinny Johnson as like the this the six-man avatar for all of that Vinny Johnson never actually won the six-man award Corliss Williamson was the, the only piston that actually did and he was only in Detroit for a few years but they were very very impactful years I cannot wait to talk about him and uh maybe how his career was kind of how he was misjudged like a lot of guys they start out in the NBA and they they they, they need to evolve their game to fit the league I I think in Corliss's case, the NBA needed to find a team that was willing to let him be who he was. Yep. And we'll hear more about that next week. Thanks for uh, joining us, us and uh, we'll see you then.